This is Novel Marketing. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. I'm James L. Rubart. And this is the show for novelists who want to become best-selling authors. And in this episode, we are going to talk about the election. So there's the warning. If you want to turn us off right now, you can, but we would suggest you don't because we're not going to talk much about the actual election. What we're going to talk about is what the election can teach us about copywriting and specifically copywriting with regard to slogans. And your book. Yeah, we're not telling you who to vote for. The election has already happened. (laughs) I know some people would like to have a do-over, but that's not going to happen. So, Uh, Thomas, are you going to tell us, though, who you voted for? um, I did not vote for— We're going to save that to the end. (laughs) I joined my fellow millennials in abandoning both political parties this time around, and I voted third party. Um, Okay. So I'm tired of the major parties and taking my vote for granted. And I've been a lifelong Republican— and uh, I'm tired of them taking my vote for granted, and so I didn't vote for either candidate. So, just to get that out on the table, I can uh, talk bad about Trump and Hillary without being hypocritical either way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, since you confessed, I will confess as well. I uh, shoot. I thought we could have some fun banter about this, but I voted third party as well. So there you go. So, All yeah. right. Now we've got all the the political stuff out of the way. Let's talk about what we can learn about copywriting from the election. Um, but before we go into this, this is this is an important part about the election. I don't think that Trump. Uh, well, let me put it this way: Trump Trump didn't win the election. Clinton lost it. And let me give just a couple of quick statistics that back that up. Trump received less votes than Romney did in 2012. Trump received less votes than McCain did in 2008. So it wasn't so much that voters turned out for Trump as they really didn't show up for Clinton. Yeah, and part of that is the shenanigans that happened in the primary with Sanders um, in the various cheating that was uh, allegedly went on where she alienated all of my millennial friends <laughs> that yes. was, uh, passionately voted for Sanders and then did not uh, vote for Hillary. But I think there's another issue that I think authors can use because uh, we're trying not to. Well, I just was political. This There's, this, there's a reason why this Stop. is a bonus episode. You, y'all have permission to <laughs> skip it. But there's a very valuable lesson here. And one of the cool things about elections is that at the end, there's a very clear winner and loser and there's a score. And unlike, say, book sales, it's hard to know when you look at somebody's book how many units it sold. That scoreboard is often very hidden. And so there's, I think, some writing principles here. And um, the big one, biggest one has to do with what you've talked in the past about taglines and slogans. And, uh, yeah, some slogans are better than others. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. So let's ask uh, a question about Obama. And he came out in 2008. And what was his slogan? I would think most people, Thomas, could say, well, his slogan was very simple but very powerful, and that was hope. Yeah. Right? He Either had that, hope or change or hope and change. Yeah, hope and change. And so that, that that's very powerful. They, there's that iconic poster that we probably can picture in our heads. That was his slogan. So let's fast forward to 2016. What was Trump's campaign slogan? Make America great again. Yeah. I'm sorry, I, think, I, I mispronounced it. Make Merca great again. Make Merca. 
<laughs> Make Merca great again. Yeah. Um, and I think most of our listeners, you guys listening, you're probably going, yeah, I, I knew that. So here's the next question we're going to ask you. And we're going to wait a few seconds just so you can think about it. What was Clinton's campaign slogan? Can I guess? Take a guess. First Lady President. <laughs> that, that was her main platform, it seemed. That was her main Make platform. History, that, was for Hillary. that was definitely a push. Um, but her campaign slogan was, give you a few more seconds to think about it. Her campaign, campaign slogan was, I'm with her. What? Now, some of you are saying right now, what? That wasn't her campaign slogan. It was, it was something else. And you're right. It was something else. She also used fighting for us. Okay. And so there are even more of you going, yeah, I don't think it was those two. I think it was something else. And you'd be right as well. She also used stronger together. So do you see the problem? She's got three campaign slogans going and then an implied campaign slogan, which Thomas just mentioned, which is first lady president. Boy, I, uh, sorry, Thomas, I'm confused. Yeah, well, and the biggest problem with those is not how many there are. Because Trump, I think, had a second one, which was Drain the Swamp, that he added in the last four or five weeks um, that I think resonated with some voters. But I think the bigger benefit is that with each one of these, I'm with her fighting for us stronger together, there's no benefit for me as a voter. It's like, what's in it for me? Why am I voting? For, like with Obama, it's very clear. I'm voting for hope. You know, I'm going to feel better about myself. I'm going to feel better about America by voting for Obama. Or I'm voting for change. I'm tired of what we had before. I want something new. I feel great. It, it's that kind of um, intrinsic motivation of feeling like a good person by voting for Obama. Um, and then with Trump, it's like I am voting to make America great again. There's a benefit there, especially if I'm the kind of person who has a worldview that America is not currently great. Uh, so and I, as an individual, don't necessarily have that, but I'm speaking hypothetically. So if I'm somebody who's very discouraged, it, it, imagine somebody who's very discouraged with America and they feel like America is failing. The idea of making America great again is a very tangible benefit. And often with authors, they're – uh, tagline is all about them. The I'm with her is so classically Hillary focused. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's exactly right. You have to make your slogan. And this is a principle of marketing that most people don't get. Look at most businesses' websites. It's all about them. It has nothing to do with us, with me. And so um, make sure you make your slogan about your readers. Because like Thomas says, do you want America to be great again? Whether you like Trump or you like Clinton or you like the third party, do you want, I, I'm thinking 99% of you saying, well, yeah, Jim, that'd be wonderful if America was great again. And Hillary's, because that is about us, right? It's about our country. It's about me. It's about my wife. It's about my kids. It's about my friends. It steer, stirs an emotion inside me. Yes, I want us to return to greatness. Hillary, I'm with her. That doesn't exactly stir passion into me. What it makes me think of is those cheesy T-shirts that couples sometimes wear where there's I'm with, you know, I'm with her and there's an arrow, you know, pointed. And it's just like it, that just does not stir anything in me. Uh, yeah. When you're picking taglines and logos and book covers, there's a principle here that I think is really important. You don't want to go with the safe, non-offensive thing. So I, I I don't know I don't have any connections with the Hillary 
campaign. But I, I would bet you that this, the I'm with her tagline was picked because it was the least offensive to focus groups. They tested it on a whole bunch of focus groups and no one hated it. It was the one that kind of averaged the highest score. And I work, you know, in a really high end design agency now as the marketing director. And, you know, we're doing logos and branding for these, you know, very powerful companies. And a good logo should have some people who really dislike it. And when we're coaching our clients and we're like, they have to take it to the executive team. It's like, you don't want to go with the one that everyone kind of sort of likes. You want to go with the one that people love and hate. Because I guarantee you the people who hate it will come around to liking it after a while. And, you know, do you remember how much everyone hated the name iPad when it first came out? (laughs) Some people thought it was great, but the whole internet mocked the name iPad. Is it a good name now? Are people still making maxi pad jokes about their iPads? No. Because they, they had a good name and they were willing to take a stand on something and they had courage, which Apple's always talking about, you know, they have marketing courage. But th- there's some truth there when it comes to branding and, and when it comes to a tagline and when it comes to a book cover. You don't want to go with the safe, placid, boring book cover. You want to go with the book cover that gets people's attention, that shocks Broca, as Jim likes to talk about it. And I'm With Her doesn't do that. Now, Stronger Together is closer. It's like they slowly are getting better taglines as the campaign went on. But... It, nothing nothing was as strong as what you saw coming from the other side. And even stronger together, the question is, one of the things Trump's slogan, Make America Great, does is it gives you a very specific benefit. Now, he didn't drain the swamp. That wasn't as much a slogan as just kind of a, a, a talking point that he would say again and again and again. It didn't, that didn't show up on any of his posters. But again, that gives what? A strong benefit. Because when you say drain the swamp, people immediately know specifically what that is. And they can picture in their mind all these fat cats and all these you know, lobbyists and all these people, uh, the political um, standard, the political norm is going to be drained out of the swamp. And it also makes you think, yes, uh, you know, Washington, D.C. is a swamp. We need to drain all that bad water out of there. When you say stronger together, stronger together for what? I can't really wrap my mind around a specific. And then the other one, fighting for us. Well, great, fighting for what? What are we fighting for? So again, if you can give a very strong benefit, and and, uh, Obama's slogan of hope, is that specific? Yes, because each of us in our own mind immediately go to, well, I know what hope means for me, and I know what I hope the country is going to be. So even just that one word has more impact than stronger together or I'm with her or fighting for us. It's, it's interesting because after the election, when you heard all of the kind of hand-wringing um, from the left over, you know, why did we lose? Is it Facebook's fault? Um, you, you started to kind of see the real, what should have been the campaign slogan, which was keeping America great. Because <laughs> now everyone's like, oh my gosh, we're going to move backwards with Trump. He's going to undo all of the gains. He's going to make us a racist country again. You know, this is you turn on CNN right now, I'm sure they're still going to be talking about it whenever you're listening to this. And um, that's really the concern. And Hillary could have gone with something like that. It's like keeping America great, which Stronger Together is close to, but doesn't quite get there. And I think that would have resonated more with her base of people of like, we've made huge strides. We elected our first president. You know, we're finally moving forward on all of these issues. We need to maintain that and keep America great. Trump's moving us in the wrong direction. That's not the message. That's an, that that's an interesting. That's an interesting comment, Thomas. Because once during the debate, maybe twice, Hillary did say, "Wait a minute, America is great," 
and we are going to make it greater because we're going to continue to go forward. I like that, right? That, I think, would resonate with people. Right. You start there and you'd be like, but this other guy's going to move us in the wrong direction. So if you want to keep America great, I'm the only option on the stage. Um, but, you know, it's it's easy to Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so. It is. And and so we're, we're not we, – we hope this is not – you're not feeling like we're so much talking about the election as we are talking about – how can you apply this to your slogan? In other words, ask yourself the question, what are you giving readers? Are you going to give them hope, which Obama gave voters? Are you going to make something great again, like Trump told his voters he would do? Are you giving them freedom? Maybe you're giving them laughter. Maybe you're giving them joy. Maybe the theme of your novels is giving people strength to face the storms of life. We obviously don't know what it is, but think about that. When you are consistently again and again and again repeating this thing that you give, think about what that is and think about what benefit that can bring to the readers. And I want to go back just real quick to the the comment about Hillary having three, maybe four slogans. I, I, I keep coming back to the idea that you need one slogan and you need to stick with it for a while. People are not stupid, but but they're not concentrating on your slogan. They don't care so, about you. Are you saying that people don't care about me, Jim? I'm saying people they're don't like care about me. They're busy with their they're own not, lives and like their right. own worlds and that I they're, barely they're a blip st- on their radar? <laughs> Thomas, they're not studying your, your slogan and they're not they're not tweeting out to their friends. Oh, Thomas changed his slogan. Let's memorize that one. <laughs> so I'm saying pick one and then stick with it for a long period of time. Yeah, that's good. And you don't have to have a slogan or a tagline to put these principles into effect. Whether it's the back cover copy of your book or your blog, this focus on your readers ultimately is what's going to make you successful as a author as you're creating content. And being focused on yourself is unattractive. And and I think we saw that in the election. Hillary was all about Hillary and um more voters found that distasteful than Trump being all about Trump because Trump was all about Trump but he was also about supposedly making America great again, which again, I did not vote for the man, but I can recognize a good marketer. <laughs> he did a good job marketing his campaign. Well, and what else is interesting is 10 years ago, if you had said uh, a gentleman who is obviously very socialist leaning and is coming up with these ideas that you go, what? I'm talking about Bernie Sanders. This is a guy that I sincerely, the way he marketed himself, the way he spoke, I really felt like Bernie was about me and not about himself. And I, th- I think he did incredibly well up against uh, a very experienced politician in Hillary Clinton. Yeah, he also came across as very authentic, and uh, which is so um, valued right now. Authenticity is not always valued, and cult- culture doesn't always value authenticity. In the 80s was not a time when authenticity was valued. People were wearing costumes. Musicians were wearing face paint. It was a very different time. Don't uh, forget the big hair, Thomas. And the big hair, yeah. <laughs> and it, you, there was this persona that you kind of lived, and it was separate from yourself. Right. Nowadays, if you look at the musicians, most of them anyway, they're wearing you know what they woke up in. <laughs> it's their very authentic <laughs> selves, like some wrinkly T-shirt from the dirty laundry, and they're playing for 10,000 people. I was like, really? That was the best shirt that you could find to like perform, you know, no suit and tie? But that's that's just the era that we're living in, and you as an author need to come across as authentic. Now, there's a difference between authentic and transparent. You don't have to share all of the nitty-gritty details about right. your life. But what you right. do share needs to be true, and it needs to resonate uh, with people. So this episode of the Novel Marketing Podcast is brought to you by My Book Table. So here's the sell on My Book Table. 
You need it. You must have it. And the price is phenomenal right now. How much, Thomas? Yeah, the ba- the main version, the basic version, you can get for free, and it will help you free? sell. Free? Okay, got to have it. Yeah, sell more books on your website with My Book Table. Find out more at mybooktable.com. You've been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.